Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the 12th and final day of dead ball, a Snavely gave to me a historic truce between England and Germany. Ooh, chills. Full body full, chills. Full body chills. And you actually hit the record button that time. I did. I we did. have recorded four episodes this night, and Drew has missed the record button trying to hit it on three of those occasions. It's uh, not a good conversion rate, no, some might say. But it's okay, because we're all here. We're all ready for the final day of dead ball. And we're all going to enjoy a very, very classic story. Yes, yes. The finish line is here, and there is no other story that I would rather finish on. Well, good. And I hope that you feel the same way, listener, because we're going to get into that right after this break. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast brought to you by Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the podcast, brought to you by Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to 
the 12 Days of Deadball, a miniseries brought to you by Deadball Brothers and sponsored by Bet Online and Indeed. And as always, we are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And by we, I mean me, Adam Whitaker Snavely, and my real life brother, Drew Snavely. I'm here and I'm ready to party. I'm, it's freaking Christmas Day, it's dude. It's freaking Christmas. <laughs> Welcome to the last day of Deadball. This is designed to go out on Christmas Day. And so hopefully if you need some sort of distraction, some learning in your life, I don't know, some audio, just escape for you at some point during this day, we're here for you. It's been an incredibly weird year. Definitely. And... This Christmas is also very weird. Yeah, and I so, know. I know a lot of people probably won't be able to be around as many people as yeah. they normally would be yeah. on Christmas. I mean, I know that we certainly won't be. Yeah, um, no, we definitely won't be. Because usually our family has massive get-togethers yeah. with extended family. And really, mostly none of that is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, at all. Um, and that's... I mean, that's tough for a lot of us. But... Hopefully we can provide you a little bit of company in yeah. this weird time. I'm, I'm glad that we can all be together. If you're listening to this podcast, we love you. And we hope that you love us and love <laughs> listening to us talk. <laughs> Otherwise, why have you listened Otherwise, to all 12 episodes? Why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> if you don't love us, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, thank you so much for listening to these episodes. Thank you so much for choosing us. Uh, and um, we hope that... Uh, we can provide a little bright spot in your day um, and that uh, we can provide, I don't know, uh, just just the, the knowledge that better days are ahead. And, uh, we're, They're close. They're coming. We're all going to get through this together. Yeah, we Hopefully. absolutely are. Let's, uh, let's close this thing out with a bang or lack thereof a our, bang. Oh, that's a good segue, Drew. <laughs> We've talked about this story basically from the inception of the idea of this podcast. We really have. And I'm actually shocked that we didn't do it last year around holiday no, season. I'm surprised as well. <laughs> um, but uh, but here we are. We're doing it now. It, was, I, it might it might just be because it might just be because we looked at it and realized that it was short. It was shorter story than we possibly anticipated. Yeah, and maybe wasn't enough for like a full episode worth of like a, like a thirty to forty minute kind of thing. Yeah, but. Perfect for what we're doing with these 12 Days of Deadball things where we kind of condense it a little bit more and make it a shorter story. So we are talking about December 25th, 1914, which is smack dab in the middle of World War One, And we are talking about the Great Christmas Day Truce what of 1914. So, in all of the wars fought in our human history... Few feel as bloody or prescient as World War One. It was one of the deadliest wars ever, casualties in the millions. It further helped along the Spanish flu epidemic, which killed millions more. It began with countries using horses for transport and ended with countries creating tanks. Yeah. So it feels like this crazy bridge between the past and the future yeah. kind of thing. Um, and... It's known as the Great War, or the war to end all wars, but for a couple days in 1914, the fighting, as if by magic, stopped. Although not thanks to any government. No, not at all. Prior to Christmas Day 1914, Pope Benedict XV 
suggested that there be a ceasefire amongst the armies fighting in Europe to celebrate Christmas because mm -hmm. most of the countries that were fighting were all considered to be Christian countries at the time. Yes. Many people were practicing Catholics or Protestants Yes, um, that were fighting in the war. Uh, so the Pope said there should be a, a ceasefire in the war for Christmas. Um, both France and England, the two major countries fighting on one side of the war, and Germany fighting against them on the other, did not heed this suggestion. They said no. Gotcha. <laughs> There's not going to be that. Yeah. Uh, no official order was passed down to stop fighting on Christmas Day. French and Belgian soldiers, furthermore, in general, mostly did not participate in any truce at all on Christmas. Uh, and there was still fighting that did occur in places during that year on, on Christmas Day. That didn't stop thousands of soldiers, however, from taking matters into their own hands. Early in the morning of Christmas Day 1914, several English soldiers reported seeing German soldiers walking towards them over no man's land, the space in between trenches, shouting Merry Christmas in English, completely unarmed. After initially expecting a trick, yeah, uh, because, yeah absolutely. because you've been shooting at each other for months, weeks, months uh, at yeah. this point, yeah. Um, English soldiers saw uh, English soldiers went out to meet them when they saw they were unarmed, and so began the Christmas Day truce of 1914. Soldiers getting out of their trenches and greeting the enemy in the name of Christmas. There are. Several myths and misconceptions around the Christmas Day truce, so let's set some of that record straight, because yeah. I think that when you th you hear about this a lot, I mean, I even learned about this in school, like in high school, yeah, and in, even maybe in middle school, when they talk about World War I, we, we kind of go over that unit or whatever in social studies class, mm -hmm. I hear about the Christmas Day truce, and they're like, oh, they played soccer. Yeah. The English and Germans played against each other. And I think at the time it like made me think of like oh it was like a World Cup game. Like, yeah. They had the best English the soldiers. national teams. They had the best English soldiers, <laughs> the best German soldiers, and they played each other. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that's how it went. Uh, which is definitely not what happened. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, and also, soccer wasn't really like the main thing that occurred on that yeah. day. Yeah. Um, so the primary activity that soldiers participated in during the Christmas Day ceasefire was collecting bodies of their fallen comrades that they couldn't get to in no man's land during fighting. Yeah. Uh, World War One was this very odd mix of modern and antiquated warfare mm -hmm. where you had like rifles and machine guns and even aircraft was starting to be used and eventually tanks and all this stuff. Um, and like chemical warfare because after World War One is when they banned chemical war. Yeah. Um, but there was mustard gas and stuff. It banned bayonets. Yes. Uh, all, a bunch of stuff like that. Um, but trenches were being dug to fight in and much of what occurred in trench warfare was soldiers being tasked with running across the big empty space between trenches to try to get to the other trench that the enemy was in and fight them up close and personal and either kill them all or force them to retreat. Yeah. Which feels very Civil War-y. Yeah. Kind of like, that's our tactic, is there's a big stretch of land, we're going to run across it. Yeah. And get right up in their faces. <laughs> yeah. Which is, some might say, a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially when there are machine guns yeah. staring you down. Not awesome. Yeah. N not, not a great place to be. Um, there was actually, throughout the war, there would be... 
and various portions of trenches and and these trenches would stretch for like miles and miles mm -hmm. so like a it could be the same technical trench and be completely different battles because these these things would go so far um in various places there would be temporary ceasefires um every so often just so that people could collect dead yeah um where usually one side would come out with like a white flag and people would agree not to shoot as they just collected the bodies and tried yeah. to like identify and bury and and do all this stuff with them yeah um which kind of, I mean, it hammers home how, like, sobering World War One was. Yeah, and how deadly it was. Because and... it was just, just so many people died. Yeah. It was e easily one of the deadliest wars in history. Like, yeah. Uh, anywhere. Um, so that was, like, a big part of what the Christmas Day truce was. Yeah. Was just collecting bodies, burying them, trying to identify and figure out who was who, that sort of thing. Um, and, and figuring all the logistics of that out. There was, however, some less horrifying activities. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That took place on this unofficial day off for most soldiers. Uh, there were discussions and pleasantries exchanged between English and German soldiers. Again, the French and the Belgians got invaded, and so they kind of hated Germany, and so they weren't doing this. Yeah. Uh, but the English and German soldiers actually, in several places, got together and uh, talked and kind of celebrated the day together. Um, and even gave, exchanged some gifts um, in several places, usually in the form of sweets. Uh, English well, are like, here's a pee-wet pie. <laughs> <laughs> smack bomb. Smack bomb. Pee-wet smack you want, bomb. You want a wig and kebab? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Um, so there were some gifts given, and usually in the form of sweets or foods and stuff like that, um, while other places along the line heard several Christmas carols being sung in various languages. Yeah. And then, of course, there were the much mythologized games of soccer that occurred, which were probably a lot of small-sided games Yeah. that happened sporadically elsewhere along the lines. Just for anybody who's feeling kind of saucy. You're like, oh, I'm going to flex on these guys a little bit. <laughs> I play for my local club. Yeah, <laughs> not, not a big, big deal. deal. <laughs> <laughs> While some historians debate the veracity of claims of football matches, uh, many letters home uh, among a lot of the English soldiers described secondhand accounts of games happening. So there wasn't a lot of accounts of yeah, we played the Germans Yeah, kind of thing. There was a lot of soldiers that were riding home that were kind of like, yeah, I heard that a couple miles down the line, uh, some of our boys were even playing a, a football match against the Germans. Yeah. It was a lot of those, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, there was, however, a compelling account left by German Lieutenant Kurt Zemisch, in a journal eventually found by his son after Zemish died in the Second World War. Oh, wow. Unlucky enough to fight in both world yeah, wars. It's, uh, yeah, terrible. Um, the Christmas entry... Actually, it's ironic, too, because he fought in the... Uh, he, he was fighting in World War I against the English and some French 
uh, and then in World War II, he was actually in the Eastern Front, and he was in the Soviet Union, where Brutal. he disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the Christmas entry of his journal that his son found uh-huh. in his attic went as follows. A couple of Britons brought a ball along from their trenches, and a lively game began. How fantastically wonderful and strange. The English officers experienced it like that, too. That thanks to soccer and Christmas, the Feast of Love, Deadly Enemies, briefly came together as friends. So, here's what that Christmas Day truce didn't do. Yeah. Because I feel like we look at it now... And it kind of becomes it in in terms of like today's morality and looking at it in hindsight and stuff like that, it feels like a pretty powerful like anti war yeah. statement kind of thing. Like, look at how pointless this is. Yeah. We're all the same. Like we we all we enjoy the same things. We're celebrating the same holiday. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. There's a few people in both of our countries that don't like one thing that happened and now we're all killing each other over it. Yeah. Um and it kind of becomes this like this anti-war thing, which amongst we kind of assign to the soldiers playing in those soccer games. Yeah. Um, and you might be tempted to kind of believe like that was like oh like faith in humanity restored. Kind yeah. Of thing. Um, most English soldiers in their letters and journals, um, and it seems a lot of German soldiers too, indicated that. They didn't hate the Germans. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't there to hate the German soldiers. Yeah. Um, but they did believe in the war. Yeah, they loved their countries. And they were and they were very much like, this is a job, and they have their job, and our jobs just happen to be killing each other. Yeah. And like we don't hate them, but this is we're just gonna keep doing it. Like yeah. we I believe in my country and that what we our side is right, so I'm gonna keep doing this. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um <clears throat> Most people actually thought the First World War would be over and finished by Christmas 1914, mm-hmm. which was about six months after it started. Yeah. Um, it would go on for another four years. Yes, after that. as we know. <laughs> so clearly, the the Christmas Day truce in the first year of the World War didn't dampen the, the war at all. Yeah. <laughs> Did not bring about the end of the war, which is unfortunate. Yeah. For sure. Um what it did do, however, was finally introduce these soldiers to the enemy they were fighting and realize they, they were actually quite similar. The English heard the Germans singing Silent Night in German from one trench on Christmas Eve and applauded them and called for more. <laughs> yeah. uh, men showed each other pictures of families and spouses that yeah. they would keep with them in the trench. And of course, everyone there really did love soccer. <laughs> And, well, yeah. And several games were played. Well, hundreds more were probably proposed, but didn't actually happen just because they couldn't. Yeah. One soldier wrote home saying that the Germans wanted to play, but no one had a ball. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> nobody probably had a ball. <laughs> uh, another English soldier, Captain Aidan Little of the 2nd Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders, wrote home saying the Germans were awfully keen to get up a football match against us. Whether it will come off or not, I don't know. <laughs> For some soldiers, it was a day of celebration and rest. For others, it was a wary and temporary peace. Yeah. For all, it was a... But for a moment, uh, very, very briefly, 
it was a, a collective love of soccer that was shared in peace. Yeah. In celebration of Christmas. Yeah. And it was kind of, I mean, when we when we talked about doing a Christmas mini series about soccer, this was the reason that we yeah, talked about it. Yeah, it was the it. first one. Yeah. Because we were like, this is the one. This is the story we know we have to do something about. Because the game transcends culture, it transcends almost everything. It brings everybody together mm-hmm. um, in what seems like the darkest times. Yeah. Um, to be able to to set aside. Which feels appropriate for right now. Yeah. Not that right now is as bad as being in a trench in World War One, because I don't think it is. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. But, but, I mean, we're still in the middle of a pandemic where thousands of people are dying every day. Thousands of people dying, millions of people are losing jobs, livelihoods. Things look bleak. Yeah. Really, really bleak. They, they do, truly. Um, but there's still that uniting (laughs) factor of soccer which is still somehow being played (laughs) yeah it's still being played and it's still i mean like like i said this on the total soccer show just the other day i'm like i don't know i i i generally am and am unsure of the morality and ethics of playing soccer right now yeah and asking players to go out there and risk getting covid to play but at the same time i watch soccer and i'm just unbelievably happy to be able to watch soccer yeah because it's just it feels like a little scrap of normal in yeah. the middle of just a, a really really awful time yeah and that's probably what it was like in 1914 on christmas day yeah <laughs> in the trenches yeah yeah you're not wrong um i want to end this episode and subsequently kind of end the miniseries yeah <laughs> Uh, with one of my favorite quotes from literature. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and definitely my favorite quote about World War One and the aftermath of World War One, um, but it's by Kurt Vonnegut uh, from his novel, Breakfast of Champions. Um, and it goes as follows. So this book is a sidewalk strewn with junk, Trash which I throw over my shoulders as I travel in time back to November 11th, 1922. I will come to a time in my backwards trip when November 11th, accidentally my birthday, was a sacred day called Armistice Day. When I was a boy, and when Dwayne Hoover was a boy, all the people of all the nations which had fought in the First World War were silent during the 11th minute of the 11th hour of Armistice Day, which was the 11th day of the 11th month. It was during that minute in 1918 that millions upon millions of human beings stopped butchering one another. I have talked to old men who were on battlefields during that minute. They have told me in one way or another that the sudden silence was the voice of God. So we have, so we still have among us some men who can remember when God spoke clearly to mankind. Armistice Day has become Veterans Day. Armistice Day was sacred. Veterans Day is not. So I will throw Veterans Day over my shoulder. Armistice Day, I will keep. I don't want to throw away any sacred things. What else is sacred? Oh, Romeo and Juliet, for instance. <laughs> and all music is. <laughs> Very classic Vonnegut. Yeah. Soccer is ultimately just a game. Like, it's, it's not that serious. But maybe in times like this one, and many other times throughout history, it's also one of those sacred things. One of those things that can take war and turn it into peace 
even if only for a moment. And with that, I wish you all a Merry Christmas. Mm. Mm. Um, some sources for this story are uh, Simon Cooper for ESPN, Terry Blom Crocker for The New Republic, and of course, Kurt Vonnegut in Breakfast of Champions. Thank you, Adam, for, for those words and for closing out uh, an incredible year of stories of soccer, um, a, a sad year where there are lots of lots and lots and lots of lows with very few highs. Yeah. Um, but 2021 is right around the corner. It it's is. a new year in about a week's time. Um, and hopefully things get a little bit better than they were in 2020. Hopefully the vaccine <laughs> kicks in, works like it's supposed to. and Fingers crossed. Fingers are definitely crossed. But we're wearing gloves, though. We are wearing gloves. This is the Deadball Brothers, and this is what we love doing, bringing soccer stories to you. Um, and we hope that you enjoy the stories as much as we love telling them. Yeah. And so if you would like to continue to support the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at DeadballPod and also on Facebook. All of our social media sites, you know about the Teespring link, you know about the rating and reviewing. I'm I guess too, we've done it 12 times. I'm not too worried about <laughs> it. I feel like you guys know the program. Um, I guess just for the final time this year, thank you, thank you seriously so much for a year of listening to us uh, ramble and talk about soccer and history and the weird stories that we can find about it. Um, thank you so much for all the reviews they've already left us, the emails that you've sent us, the tweets that you've left us talking about how much you love the show. Um, cause they really do mean a lot. Uh, they are, they're very, very kind and well received. I yes. promise you. Um, and, uh, I guess just wherever you are, uh, and whatever you're doing this holiday season, uh, I hope that you know that you're not alone. Uh, and if you're listening to us, uh, you can drop us a line, hopefully, if you feel that way. Yeah. Um, and if you're ever traveling through Lynchburg, Virginia, don't be afraid to, to hit us up. Shut us out. We can, we can, <laughs> we we can, can point out the, the three good restaurants here. Yeah, we can let you know the stops. <laughs> we'll let you know where you can do some things. There's not a lot of places, but there are a couple places. So once again, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to our stupid, stupid podcast that we love too much. Uh, and until next time in 2021, here's the 2021. My name is Adam Whitaker Snavely and I'm Drew and we love you. Seriously. We do. We really, really, really love you. And we will see you again. <laughs>